0: Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League. I am Diana Kander, a Midwestern mom of two and keynote speaker. And like you, I feel the call to grow. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out the most remarkable and curious women leaders to uncover their rule for growth. This week's rule from Jayshree Sate is find the context. This episode is brought to you by Influence Co. To find out all the different ways I've worked with Influence Co to help me create relevant content, get more leads, improve my website's SEO, and just generally drive exposure for my brand, go to influenceandco.com slash growth. My guest today is Jayshree Jay Shree works at 3M as a corporate scientist, the highest technical designation you can receive at 3M. In the nearly 30 years that Jay Shree has worked at 3M, she's received more than 70 patents, with many more pending. And Jay Shree is also 3M's first ever chief science advocate, where she works to communicate the importance of science to the next generation. She is the author of The Heart of Science Engineering Footprints, Fingerprints, and Imprints. And a fun fact about her is that in addition to all the things she's done, she's a producer of music. Jay Shree, welcome to the show. Tell us how you fit being a music producer with your scientist career. So in 2020, so
1: much happened. And I just had this strong desire to do something and be productive with purpose. And I, you know, wrote a book. But when my kids and I were talking, they were like, well, that was creative, but that wasn't creative enough. And I was just thinking, what do you mean it's not creative enough? And they seemed to indicate that there's more in me that I could do more. And that's when I realized that a song that I had written was a perfect fit for what was going on in the world. So in 2021, I found out how to actually record a song. And I reached out to this musician and he said, why don't you just sing it? And I was like, no, 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 I wrote it. I want someone else to sing it. And he said, no, no, you need to sing it. So we actually put this song out. And if people download it, all proceeds go to United Way, who were really helping in the community. So I I, I really <laughs> stepped outside of my comfort zone there. But it was great because that's what it taught me, a completely new learning of a new process and, and doing it for a good cause that really sort of lit a fire. So, yeah, I do have a song out there. People can actually go to it. It's on playedforward.com and download and it all goes to charity. And the song is called Life is Like a Donut.
0: Boy, you have a career filled, number one, like with a basis of science, but on top of it, you have added writing and music and poetry and all of these different experiences of pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. What is that driver for you of trying something new and doing things that you might fall flat on your face, especially being at this level in your career where you're like the highest level anybody could go as a scientist at 3M? I guess I would say I love
1: learning. So anytime I feel like, wow, that's something new that I don't know, uh, wouldn't it be great to learn about that? And if I tie it with a sense of purpose through this context that I build around that, it just takes away the
0: fear. Well, let's start with (laughs) the ending or like the current place of your 30-year career at 3M. Why does 3M need a chief science advocate?
1: Uh, That's a good question. So our brand promise itself is science applied to life. And so we care about science, and we wanted to understand what the world thought about science. So we did this survey, actually, and found out that science is kind of underappreciated, taken for granted, and sort of
0: behind the scenes. When I was reading your book... You start with a piece of research out of 2019, in which 40% of people think that their life would be no different without science. And I have been like stomping around my house ever since I read that, saying to my kids, to my husband, like, can you believe this? They think their lives would be no different. How did you read that research?
1: Yeah, to me, it was very clear that first of all, I was like, what? (laughs) Yes. I just could not believe it because get this, you know, they were taking the survey on their laptops and mobile phones. (laughs) So it's so clear that they don't appreciate the very gadget or gizmo they are holding is the work of science. But why is that? Because we haven't said that. We haven't given them that context. We have not. And, you know, science and scientists aren't the kind of people who would thump their chest. They're happy when people take something, use it, and it's like, oh, it works. It's like magic. But that also is a disservice because now people don't even think about it. And and there you go. Like you said, 40% said if science didn't exist, their lives would be no different. Heck, you have no idea. Drop that coffee right now because you heated it up in the microwave. And that's science. Don't go anywhere. You can't drive that car. That's science. And don't take that blood pressure pill either. You know, <laughs> it's, it's all science everywhere. It's all around us. So that's why my role was created. The idea was to advocate for science. So I got this job and I'm like, uh, what does that mean? So for me, it was all about, okay, let's get the data together. Let's put all of this together. And what is it? At the end of the day, it is about. Talking about science in our daily lives so that people can appreciate it and moving away from this apathy that they feel. The other next thing I thought was breaking down barriers and biases and boundaries and thinking, oh, I'm not, you know, left brain, right brain. I'm not a genius. Science is not for me, blah, blah, blah. Those kinds of things that all hurt science. And this, the third part was very important, which is the context in which we communicate, you know, make it a very human context and champion science in a way that is relevant for people.
0: So you have this really interesting career now of advocating for science, And you clearly are very fearless and curious. Did you start out that way? Like, I want to talk about Jayshree and college and graduate school. Did you always have that fearlessness about you?
1: Well, um, I have to admit that I never saw myself as the science and engineering type. And, you know, that's the kind that like to play with tools and tinker with stuff or tear apart their toys. I wasn't that. I was always more interested in the human context. I actually like humanities related subjects, honestly, more because I could relate to them more. I wanted to solve problems. I wanted to improve lives. I wanted to make the world a better place. And I was drawn to the fields where I thought that this contextual pull was strong. And I have to be honest, I just didn't see that in STEM careers, because it is not talked about and it is not visible. And when you're young, you need someone to connect those dots. But I grew up on the campus of an engineering institution. My dad is a university professor. He had a PhD in civil engineering. I had strong encouragement for my parents to go into engineering. And this was back in the day in India. And, you know, you kind of just did what your parents told you. So this strong parental guidance directed me to engineering, despite what I perceived as my lack of affinity for the field. And in looking back, I realized that I missed the context throughout my educational journey because the engineering education was so heavy on the content. And then I ended up in graduate school in the US. I was the only woman in the lab. And it was really in my master's program that it hit me. Wait a minute. Is this what I wanted to be doing? Is this what I wanted to do in my life? And I've actually looked up this census called communal goal incongruity. There's actually a name for it. I felt stuck like this is where I am, but my heart is not in it. I was doing well because I've always liked doing well at anything I did. But I finally I said, okay, I'm going to have to switch something here. So I switched my fields from my master's to my Ph.D. And I ended up in this lab that was more collaborative a project that I could build a context around, an advisor who was more supportive. And then I was on fire. You couldn't get me out of the lab. There was so much I could do, so much I wanted to do. I threw myself into my work and I enjoyed every moment of it. And I found out I loved what I did. And what I was doing was science. But it was the
0: context that I could build around that project that really inspired me. Would you say like that was a turning point for you where you went from following what you were supposed to do to now seeking out what you could do? Absolutely, in looking back, I realized that if I had not
1: gone through that low point of thinking, what do i do i've been I've been sort of following along on the path that has been laid out for me, but hidden in it is also the idea that once you have navigated this kind of territory, you will be able to lay down your own path and My mom always said it, she said a specific thing in in our language that always means that the objective of your life isn't to go to a milestone but to chart out a path where none exists she always said that so all of that is probably in there and and i was like i'm gonna chart my own course and blaze a trail where i want to go and because i'm so inspired by where i'm going the engagement and the fun is going to be so much more and that sense of satisfaction
0: You guys know that I love the break-in protection obviously that my Simply Safe home security system gives me. But it's not always outside forces that you need Simply Safe's protection from. This is Terry's story, a Simply Safe customer. Terry was away for the weekend at her daughter's wedding and the morning of the big day she gets a call from Simply Safe's 24/7 professional monitoring center. They let her know that her system had detected water in the basement and in moments like this time is critical because even an inch of flooding can cause more than $25,000 in damages. Thankfully, Simply Safe had detected the water just moments after the leaking had started. And after talking to Simply Safe, Terry called her neighbor, who quickly turned the water in the home off before the flooding got bad. Protecting against floods is just one of the reasons more than four million people trust their home protection to simply safe. With a comprehensive, simply safe system and 24/7 professional monitoring, you can have somebody always looking out for you, just like Terry. Plants cost under a dollar a day with no long-term contracts or hidden fees ever. I love the fact that you can customize the system and get as many windows or monitors or any kinds of monitors that you love specifically built for your needs. And you can customize the perfect system for you in just a few minutes at simplysafe.comslash growth. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera. Nice. Plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash growth. Well, you started your career at 3M as an intern. How did you chart that path from intern to the chief science advocate? Like what were some of the big moments that you think were responsible for getting you to where you are today? At 3M, when
1: I got the job offer, it was to do something totally different than my PhD project. I was working on diamond-like films that can prolong the lifetime of tools and things like that. And I got hired to work on diapers. So I really joke <laughs> that I went from diamonds to diapers. But you know, I'm really unafraid to go into new areas and try to solve problems because I keep reminding myself, you're the happiest and most satisfied when you're doing what you want to do and you want to solve problems. So I was fortunate to end up at here. And there's a culture of empowerment. There is an emphasis on collaboration. There's a vision of improving lives. So it really perfectly fit for me and really for a kid who started out not thinking they were the science type and not making it into any top schools, not having a specific expertise. As you said, I'm currently at the level of corporate scientist. It's the highest level you can attain. I'm the fourth woman and the first woman engineer to reach this level. Been inducted into the 3M Hall of Fame. I have 75 patents to my name. And the reason why I talk about all of this is that I want everyone to think about what I think about each and every day. How many students, how many scientists, how many ideas, and how many innovations are we missing out on because of how we talk and teach and train and track and typify STEM? Well, how did science help diapers? Well, think about it. There's an important tape in there to hold that diaper together. Yes. That doesn't hold. You got a stinky problem. <laughs> 3M develops the tapes and fasteners and elastics that go into those diapers and stuff. So I'll tell you, of all the things around you, that has got a lot of science in it.
0: Well, did that first role kind of teach you your, you know, problem-solving methodology or whatever it is that you use to get to 75 patents eventually?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because I was like, okay, what am I doing? What is the background? What has been done before? What are the needs? What are the trends? Who are the key players? What are the competitive products? What technology are at play? Who is doing the innovation? And then I stitch all these pieces of information together. And I, I actually call it the process of mosaic building. So you take these little tiles and like an artist, you put it together, you take a step back and you develop a compelling narrative like a storyteller now. So I do take initiative to build a con- context to inspire myself with the insights. And then I, it gives me the ability to inform and influence others and eventually have impact.
0: So when you say build the context, and I've never heard it described as putting together a mosaic before, you mean like you were presented with a simple problem before you like, I don't know, how do we make this diaper tape stickier? Yeah. And then... Your like, tell me what the purpose of the context or the mosaic is in that case. So for
1: me, it would be, okay, we need to make it stickier. Why do we need to make it stickier? How sticky is sticky? (laughs) Why is it not working? What does the caregiver ultimately want? What is the right amount of stickiness for this? You know, so all this sort of putting it in terms of that context, because what it does is it puts you on a journey of learning. And what that journey of learning does is it also teaches you about many different things that you can use in your next project. And now you have so much information that that gives you confidence. And then you meet others to share this and that builds your network. And that starts building your social capital. That just starts this huge positive cycle. So that's just an example. And so the more you start training yourself to understand the context and build the mosaic, you become able to identify problems to solve. And your strategic thinking comes in, which now makes you so much more valuable.
0: I feel like the natural human tendency and what exists in most organizations is when there is a problem, You need to go solve it. Just as, for instance, you know, COVID is happening worldwide. People have to stay home. Like, let's go get them all wireless access. Like, let's solve this problem that we're facing right now. What are the processes that you have in place that allow you to create the space to ask those questions and build the context instead of feeling rushed to just go, go, go and solve?
1: People don't like, I, I'm, I, I think this is the reason why people don't want to give the time and space is because they think it's delay and nothing good will come out of it, right? So the way that I've learned how to navigate that is I constantly communicate. So people know that there is actual movement and motion and, and things are moving along. And as long as people and stakeholders understand that there is movement, they feel satisfied. If you tell them I need two months to think about it, which is, which may be the right thing, actually, I think people get scared because it's like, I'm going to lose two months on my timeline and I'll have nothing to show for it. So the, the trick there is to do the thinking, take the two months, but also keep updating people on what you're doing and why you're doing it. And the reason Diane and I say communication is important, A, it tells you, what did I tell them last week? And what am I going to tell them this week? Where can I make progress that can clearly show them that I'm making progress? Second, when you're writing about something or talking about something, you realize the holes in your own logic. Communication allows you to see the gaps. And the third thing you do with communication is you are letting People know about your logical thought process. So I'm actually
0: involving the stakeholders to pipe in when they see gaps. So what you're describing is super powerful. It is a way for people to get that space from their stakeholders in order to do the deeper dive, build that mosaic, ask the bigger questions. And I, I think so many times individuals who are doing innovative projects will will just want to show something, but they're like, I need three years, (laughs) give me six months, you know, and I want to come back to you and impress you. And you have a completely different philosophy. You're like, I'm going to tell you every step of the way what's happening. Yep. What are the information that we're finding? Why that important information is so
1: important? Because there's a storytelling piece to it. It's pulling together that compelling narrative and c- communicating it. I don't communicate the details of the result of the experiments that I'm doing. That's up to me. That's they trust us to do the experiments they're doing, but also show the higher level thinking.
0: Do you have any specific stories of times when things didn't work out, but the communication element helped?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I will tell you this. Uh, one of my big projects and I spent, I would like to say, over three years on this one project and uh It did not commercialize at the end of the day. And I got promoted right after that. But why? Because we learned so much on so many different fronts. And I showed how those learning can be used as building blocks for so many other products. And we did that. So much of what came out of that was then used elsewhere. And because I was communicating throughout, because I pulled everybody in the story I was able to build that social capital where people said, yeah, Shree did a great job at it and showed her leadership skills, and, and yes, this deserves that, that bump. So I think the idea is to have knowledge and know-how or research that you can authentically own, a point of view, sharing and socializing, simply putting yourself out there, and then showing that you take initiative to inform, to influence, to inspire, and to have
0: impact. Okay, Jayshree, are you ready for the speed round?
1: Oh, wow. I thought we were already on the speed round.
0: <laughs> I talk fast. Well, I read in your book about the importance of thinking of luck in your life. So my first question is, what role has luck played in your career?
1: Yeah, I truly believe um, in that. I'll give you a quick example. I know it's a speed round, but I didn't know about 3M. I was on the East Coast. I came from India. I hadn't heard much about it. And it just so happened that my lab mate ended up at 3M. And he said, you should come for a summer job. And PhD students don't go for summer jobs because the advisor wants you to finish your work during the summer. But our advisor happened to be the kind who said, "Okay, go. And so I would have never ended up in this career and this chief science advocate and talking to Diana Kander had I not gone for a summer internship at 3M. And that was absolute luck that this person happened to have a brother who happened to be in Minnesota, who happened to be at 3M and called his brother and the brother called us. So I think that's luck for gosh's sake. And I end up in this lab and I have to use this one piece of equipment. There's only other one other student using it. So my option is to fight with him or marry him. And my husband says I did both. But I met my (laughs) husband (laughs) right there in that lab. And that I think that's luck. But that doesn't mean you just leave it up to luck right? It means that you do your part and then luck will do its part. But be humble in that, that it isn't just you. It is also luck. So I think humility, it gives humility.
0: What is something that you used to think was a talent that you either had or you didn't have, but you've since realized it's actually a skill that you can learn and develop?
1: Oh, good one. You
0: know, I used to think
1: that intelligence and expertise and all of that is so critical. And, and I was like, ah oh, I mean, do I have the intelligence? I don't have the expertise. But what I've realized at the end of the day, it is more diligence than intelligence. And that is a skill you can develop. It's more about skills over expertise. And it's more
0: about attitude than aptitude. To hear the chief science advocate say <laughs> that, number one, you are worried about your intelligence. And number two, it's not really about that anyway. Uh, that's very powerful. Okay, last question. What is a strongly held belief that you have that would make for a fun debate at a dinner party? Oh,
1: dinner party. I guess the conversation that'll definitely come up is about my being a vegetarian. Oh, yeah. I strongly believe that you don't have to have dead animals if you don't want to.
0: Now you're saying that in a presupposing way. (laughs) Yes. Well, that leads me to a related question that would make for a really fun debate at a dinner party. What would be a fun way to start a discussion? What's a good question to kick off a discussion? Uh, A way to, you know, have people be more intimate and share with one another. What's a good question? I always
1: like to ask, how did they get to where they are? Like, what is the journey been? Because then people can see, That everybody changes their minds about other things and get inspired by certain areas and and how every path has so many twists and turns that we miss if we just go from dot to dot to dot. It's the in between the dots that's way more important and gives you more context.
0: It's the context, just as your, your rule has said. Jay Sheree, this has been delightful. And I have to end by sharing something really powerful. I finished reading your book and I was so inspired. My husband has a book on mental health coming out this summer. And I said to him, What if all the proceeds go to a nonprofit to help mental health efforts? And I, I even as I said it, I was like, Who am I? <laughs> like, who who is this person saying this? But you know, I read your book and I was like, well, this is a thing and this feels like the right thing. And I just want to thank you so much for that.
1: Thank you. I Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, I have two books. My latest book came out on International Women's Day and all proceeds for both books go for underrepresented uh, minority women in STEM administered by the Society of Women Engineers. And uh, uh, the first book is, uh, as you read, it's about science and science and humanities and bringing in that context and a way to view leadership and thought leadership. And then the second book is more about the last two years and the journey that we've all been on. And so I really hope that your listeners can support. And it's not just what they take away. It's what they're giving, which is the gift of education.
0: Amazing. Jay Shree, thank you so much. Thank you, Diana. what an amazing and impactful conversation with jayshree you know we had an episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the power of zooming out to solve problems and i feel like adding the context just layers on even more value to that idea that in order to properly solve an issue to really do some strategic problem solving putting together all the different elements like the mosaic that she talked about of how different things interact and and you have to ask really good questions in order to be able to do that and see that bigger picture you're going to be much better at solving that problem and Jay Shree brings in another really valuable concept that if you have anybody to manage up to in your organization zooming out and providing that mosaic of a perspective really helps them understand what you're doing all day and so you're not just under pressure to bring them the good news, show them the learning that you're doing so that if a project that you work on for three years doesn't work out, fails miserably, you can still get promoted because they know that you did everything that you could, that you learned as a result, and that you created value for the organization even though the project itself didn't work out. So, Find the context for sure to solve your problems, but display the context to the people that you work with to make sure everybody's on the same page and that you're demonstrating the value that you're bringing. Thank you again to Influence Co. for sponsoring this show. If you're looking for resources to build a results-driven content marketing strategy, I highly recommend checking out Influence Co.'s content marketing course. With promo code GROWTH, our listeners can access the course for 50% off. Just visit influenceandco.com slash GROWTH to learn more. That's it for this week's episode of The Growth League. Please make sure you're subscribed to get all the future episodes and leave us a review on how you're liking the show. I am Diana Kander, wishing you an amazing growth-filled week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbonile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rutter.